the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, September the 14th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on September 14, 1901, President William McKinley died in Buffalo, New York. He died of a gunshot wound inflicted by an assassin. Vice President Teddy Roosevelt became president. Today in 1814, Francis Scott Key was inspired to write a poem. He wrote the poem, titled it, Defense of Fort McHenry, later became known as the Star-Spangled Banner. Yeah, after witnessing the American flag flying over the Maryland fort following a night of just intense British naval bombardment during the War of 1812, he wrote the words, Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light. Yeah, it was still there. It was still waving. And thankfully, it still is. But boy, our freedoms, what the flag stands for is certainly under attack again today in the war in the war of 2020 today 1954 the soviet union detonated a 40 kiloton atomic test weapon today in 1963 marianne fisher she lived in aberdeen south dakota she gave birth to four girls and a boy that's the first known surviving quintuplets in the united states today in 1972 the family drama, The Waltons, premiered on CBS. Remember Grandpa Walton, Will Gear? Just a side story I, you may find interesting. I, I found it very interesting. I never could quite figure it out. But during that period, we were serving in the church in North Hollywood, just a little ways from the studio where the Waltons and many other TV programs were, were produced in those days. The... Through a family in our church who were part of the one of the founding families of of the hall of so, quote unquote Hollywood, Will Gear, who knew one of the Lasky family, he contacted them and he said, ask him about this guy at the North Hollywood Church who was taking these kids, adults, young adults, to various places around the world and building churches. He'd read about it in the Los Angeles Times. There'd been a, several stories that we had been doing that. They were novel stories, so they covered them. But he asked about it, and so anyway, he asked if he could meet me, and we did meet. I went down to the studio and met with him. We got to know each other through that, and he said, uh, I, Gary, I'd like to promote what you're doing on the radio, and would, you, would that be okay? And I said, you know, I thought about it for a half second. I said, well, of course. And I was thinking at the time, well, who's going to pay for that? You know, radio is pretty expensive in Los Angeles. It's expensive everywhere, but particularly in Los Angeles. Anyway, he went ahead and cut a number of uh, kind of commercials or just statements about what we were doing. And they just began airing on some of the biggest, most powerful news stations in Los Angeles. Apparently, he paid for it. I never knew. But I did get to know him. In fact, I got a pass to the to their studio when they were 
filming. They were in there a lot because that was a it was a very successful run with the Walton family. But I I could just go in and just get through all the security and just go in any time. So I would stop by there once in a while and talk to Will. The reason I tell you that story is simply to say that during that time and a number of times that I spent a few moments with him and kind of got to know him, um, I would lead the conversation around to talking about Jesus. And he would always resist that a little bit. Not offensively, but just uh, he would change the subject. And finally, one day I asked him, I said, Will, why do you always change the subject when I talk about Jesus? Because I said, man, you're promoting what we're doing. And (laughs) that's why we're doing it, is the fact that Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of God. That he died on the cross for my sins and yours. And I told him. He said, well, he said, I'm not at a point where I could actually accept that. And um, I continued over the period of time that I had contact with him and some of the others on that set, actually. But it just occurred to me as I saw that today in 1972, that Walton's, the drama, went on the air at CBS. It was very successful, as I said. But I've often wondered if Will Gear ever got around to accepting Jesus as his personal savior. I can tell you, maybe, you know, I'm not the best speaker or the best person to deliver the message to him, but I delivered it to him according to the gospel. He knew how to be a Christian. He knew how to be saved, but I I don't know if he ever accepted Christ or not, which always prompts me to the moment. That was a long time ago. This is right now. And I have to wonder, are you listening to this program today because you're interested in politics, and if not, you should be. All Christians should be, and non-Christians as well. But are you sure that you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Perhaps you go to church, you're religious, you even give mental assent to the idea of God, the Bible. It's good. It's a good thing. But have you ever accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? As in, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. That you came, you were crucified, you gave your life, you rose from the dead to forgive my sins. And will you forgive my sins? Come into my heart and my life. That's what, that's what Christianity really is about. It's become, a, it's become about a lot of other things. But that is the heart of Christianity. That is the message. The message isn't compassion. It's not Black Lives Matter. It's not all of this stuff. That's all a part of it. But Christianity comes down to a simple... In fact, Christianity is so simple, it is so simplistic in the message, profoundly so, that people stumble over it. The Bible says people stumble. The cross becomes a stumbling block. They say, well, it can't be that easy. Well, it wasn't for Jesus, but it is for you. And all you have to do is make that decision. Please do it. I mean, why would you not? Rebellion? I don't know. But make that decision. If you haven't, please do. Simply ask Christ to come into your heart. Forgive my sins. I believe that you are who you said you were. The Son of Almighty God. Why don't you make that decision today and take that step? We may 
never meet you and me, but if you take that step, we'll meet someday at heaven because I've taken that step. I can tell you, I'm not worthy of it, but God has forgiven my sins. He's cleansed my heart and made me a new creature. So give that some consideration today. Today, 1982, Princess Grace of Monaco, remember her, Grace Kelly? She died at age 52 from injuries from a car crash the day before. She was kind of the sweetheart of the world back in those days. There were a lot of questions about her car crash. There were stories out there that one of the brake lines on one of the, I think the front wheel had been cut purposely by someone. All those stories swirled around that, but any, anyway, she, she died today as a result of that car crash. Today in 2001, Americans packed churches, clogged public squares on a day of prayer and remembrance for the victims of 9-11, September 11 attacks on America. We had never seen anything like that before. We weren't prepared for it. You can't be prepared for those kinds of things until it happens. It just took America to a pause for a moment to think about what's really important. And those times, as sad as they may be, and the loss of life was nearly 3,000 people, those times can be incredibly important times in our lives. When it seems like everything around us is being shaken that can be shaken, we begin to look for those things that cannot be shaken. And I will tell you the Bible is what you're looking for. The Word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word, God says, will never pass away. You can count on it. You can absolutely count on it. Well, I hope you had a good weekend. Many of us in the smoke. You know, the left's not very original. Anything they don't like, they either associate with Hitler, like Trump, they associate him with Hitler a lot, or the KKK, or ICE. ICE, the immigration folks that are trying to save America from ourselves. <clears throat> or sometimes when they don't like something or someone, they just call them a Republican. But now they've started calling them cops. They've begun to damn the founding fathers of our nation. You name it, whatever it is, whatever it is that they don't like, they begin associating with what they perceive to be very, very negative. So it's no surprise that a public school teacher in Westlake, New York, kicked off the first day of class, the very first day, by distributing this handout of Black Lives Matter material. And the, the whole thing was about, was comparing cops and sheriff's deputies to Klansmen and slave owners. I mean, it's disgusting. The propaganda that puts they put into these kids' heads and minds and hearts. But the, the propaganda, the material, the so-called curriculum, which isn't, it starts with a five-frame cartoon panel, like the old funny papers. You know, remember? I used to always read those before we went to church. Made my mother so mad. She didn't think I should be reading comics before we went to church. But uh, I, anyway, uh, as long as she didn't see me, everything was cool. But um, 
I always liked those. Flash Gordon was particularly of interest to me. But anyway, it was like that. It was a kind of a five-frame cartoon panel, but this wasn't cool. And it begins, the first frame is a depiction of a slave owner placing his knees on the back of this shackled slave. You can make the associations. The frames progress. The slave owner is replaced by a member of the KKK. And then finally, the sheriff's deputy. And finally, in the last frame, a police officer is what was originally the KKK, or first the slave owner, then the KKK, and so on. You get the message. I mean, it's at a glance. It's there. Well, this mother got a hold of this material, and uh, she just went ballistic, along with some other parents that followed once they became aware of it. But there was one mother in particular who found out early on, and she immediately got contact with the school. She said she wrote letters. She said, enough is enough. She told the New York Post, in fact. She said, I've had it. And she said, I'm not going to be quiet about this. She said, we don't need a teacher brainwashing my kids. I'll teach my kids what's right and wrong, and I'll teach them what we want them to believe about cops and sheriffs. Her daughter, Nicole, had brought home the material and actually shown it to her mother. The teen said, I think she's 13, she said the cartoon was disgusting. She said it compared the police with all the terrific people in history, or all the terrible people in history. It was not fair. It wasn't right. And she went on to say, she said, now that I've shared this material with my mother, she said, I'm being bullied on social media. I'm being called a racist for blowing the whistle on the lesson plan. That's where we are in public school today. And you say, oh, Gary, that's just isolated. No, it isn't. It isn't. The this, this superintendent of this school district, Mount Pleasant School District, Kurt Coates is his name, once the heat was turned up on him and other parents got on board, he came out with a statement over the, uh, the, the I think it was Friday or, or Saturday, but anyway, he came out the last couple of days. He said, we will be making a thorough investigation of the incident. That's just a bunch of baloney. They don't make thorough investigations. They try to cover their back when they get caught. I don't know this guy, but I, I mean, I've seen this so many times. Excuse me. They won't make a thorough investigation. What they'll do is say, boy, we better be careful with this. We need to put it out there in a different form or blah, 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 whatever. They're very complicit with this. They know what's going on in these classrooms. This cartoon, this same material, showed up two weeks ago to some eighth graders in Texas, clear across the country. So I think you can expect, if you have kids in school, and many schools are closed now, maybe that's a good thing. But you should be aware of that. It's out there. The first step in condoning, condoning violence against anybody's enemy, if you're a, a leftist, it's kind of a, the first step always seems to be to dehumanize and demonize your opponents. That's, that's why we see the constant comparisons to the KKK and Hitler. And the left's anti-cop rhetoric seems to be working. It seems to be working. The Los Angeles Times was the first to report it Saturday night. Two police officers were sitting in their car, in their cruiser. They were both shot at close range while sitting there on duty by a depot, a, a commuter train depot. They were rushed to the emergency room. 
while they were rushed there, BLM, Antifa, made it to the hospital, trying to block the entries to the hospital. They tried to even rush into the emergency room of the hospital. These people that are anti-cop. This kind of hatred is not systemic racism. It's not going to be fixed by peaceful protests. It's not going to be fixed by hollow, self-righteous acts of the religious left or the political left, but particularly the religious left. I don't even know if you're if you're if you've bought into the religious left. I can't even understand where you're coming from, and I've been around a while, and I've seen a lot. How do you get to that point where you line up with these guys, whether it's Jim Wallace or whether it's whomever? I don't know how you guys can line up with that and still carry your Bible or put it on your your device or whatever and say that you're a follower of Jesus Christ when you deny the very things that Jesus Christ died for. I don't understand that. And some of our friends, Marjorie and my friends, whom we've known for years, have suddenly ended up in the far left, so-called religious left camp. You can't serve two masters. Jesus himself said that. So that's where we are today. But I will tell you, what's going on in America today is deeper than skin color. You may feel good about yourself when you stand up and you declare with both fists clenched and your hands in the air and your Bible laying next to you that we need to stop this systemic racism. We need to do all this. Of course, Jesus died to forgive us of racism and deliver us from it and transform us. But I will tell you, all of this nonsense that's going on in the name of Christ isn't helping. It's hurting, and it's destroying, and it's ruining not only individual lives, as the case Saturday night with these two cops, but I will tell you, it's ruining a nation, and you will be held accountable to whom much is given, much is required. And if you claim the name of Jesus Christ, if you claim to be a Christian, and yet you support the kind of nonsense that's going on in our country today in the name of the Lord, you will be held accountable. Not by me, but by the Lord whom you claim to follow. This is a time for us to rethink ourselves and take a little bit of a kind of a, I don't know, some kind of a reassessment. I see more and more Christians speaking out on behalf of Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter has little to nothing to do with skin color. It has everything to do with cultural Marxism and all of these kind of anti-God beliefs. And yet people are out there in the name of the Lord condoning and supporting these kinds of things so they'll feel good about themselves. It's not about you. It's about God. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about goodness. It's about righteousness. It's about what is right and what is wrong. It's not about you. It's not about me. By yesterday morning, Sunday, a few more details were coming out about these two cops. I'll tell you, these two on-duty police officers were sitting in their patrol car in an L.A. suburb of Compton. I know Compton. It's, it's rough. Without warning or provocation, this individual walked up to the window of one of the, the patrol car where they were sitting, shot both officers, one in the head, the other in the face. They haven't caught him, as far as I know. They're still looking. $100,000 reward is out for this guy now. Officials say the two officers were conduct, conducting a routine patrol outside an L.A. metro train station. 
one of the two victims was able to tell the one of the officers that rushed to the scene that it was a dark-skinned male. Walked right up to the window, and there's a video of it. You can see it. I wrote an article on this today, and the video is there and some other pictures. Both suffered multiple gunshot wounds. Both were out of surgery and intensive care recovery by yesterday. It's going to be a long road if they recover, if they survive, and they think maybe they will now, the doctors. L.A. Sheriff Alex Vinaluea, uh, he said the two officers graduated from police training together and were sworn in 14 months ago. One victim is a 24-year-old man. They haven't released his name yet, as far as I know, when I came on the air today live. The other is a 31-year-old woman, a mother of a 6-year-old child. Spokesman for the Sheriff's Department said they're both fighting for their lives, so please keep them in your thoughts and prayers. Most decent people would immediately approve of that and say, yes, by all means, we will, as we think of these two, we don't know them, but we'll pray for them. But the mob appeared at the hospital, profoundly disagreeing about praying for them, for sure. The protesters showed up at the hospital that was treating the ambush cops, yelling, I hope they expletive die. The so-called protesters were shouting, y'all going to die one by one and death to the police. This is at the hospital after they shot these two police officers in the head, the face and the head. A video of the area shows the demonstrators challenging the hospital security. They were claiming that the hospital is a public building. This Black Lives Matter and Antifa people that showed up there we're claiming that the hospital is a public, not a private place, and they have a right to enter the building. They cannot be stopped, and they can enter the building for any reason. Just let that soak in for a moment. Those attempting to rush the emergency room identified themselves. They identified themselves as BLM, Black Lives Matter. We're here to fix racism by killing cops. Well, I'll tell you, in the mayhem, the police arrested a couple of people who were trying to interfere with police activity and assist the so-called demonstrators. Turned out both were apparently connected to the press, <laughs> of all things. One had not, uh, had not identified himself as press. The other said when she was arrested, said, well, I forgot my credentials. She was from NPR. NPR came out yesterday and again this morning. They're trying to make a big deal out of this, how they were persecuted. They weren't persecuted. She was threatening and she was she was basically challenging the police that were there trying to arrest and were arresting the people who were trying to storm the hospital to do God only only God knows what. They were saying death to these people who were laying in there on their potentially on their deathbed. The hospital was trying to save their life, and these guys were trying to rush the emergency rooms. You won't hear a lot of that reported in the news today. You'll hear that this happened, but you won't hear the details. The secular news does not want you to know that truth because that's not their truth. But this NBR woman, she said she, they put out a tweet condemning the arrest of their reporter, this Josie Hoogan. NPR, you know, recently promoted a book defending riots and looting, how to do it and why it's good for the country and all that kind of thing. Americans, American tax dollars help support public radio. And they're promoting this kind of nonsense. This woman now is going to try to create a new career. I can see it coming. 
She spent the night in jail Saturday night. She got out of jail yesterday. She said, I'm weary. I have to go home and rest. And when I get over this, I'll be sharing the details of what's really going on with these people, these she didn't say this, but Trump people, I'm sure that's coming in just a matter of moments once she gets, quote, unquote, rested. There was a local pastor there. I, I tried to find out who he was. I, I couldn't. I just couldn't find the information. But he was a local faith leader. It, it's not that important. But what he said was interesting. He was at the hospital. He told KABC TV, that's an ABC-owned affiliate in Los Angeles. He said the the protesters tried to rush the emergency room where the officers were being treated. He said they were shouting, death to the police, kill the police. He said they were using horrible curse words. Yeah, he's right. They were awful. Faith leader told the Times that he thought the behavior was unacceptable behavior because a hospital should be a sanctuary. Well, I would say that's an understatement. I would agree with him, but it's not a, that was unacceptable for sure. One protester inside the hospital trying to rush to the emergency room was screaming, tell their family, this pastor said, or this faith worker, as they call him, tell their family, I hope they expletive die. President Trump tweeted yesterday, the shooter must be brought to justice, and should these police officers die, the shooter should be given the death penalty. Well, that didn't go over well either. But late yesterday, the sheriff's department, last night, the sheriff's department reported that the deputies are out of surgery and they are now expected to survive. The sheriff described the condition of the wounded officers as a double miracle. And he thanked people for their prayers all across the country. $100,000 reward for the shooter. This is hatred beyond skin color. In an email yesterday, a black Democrat conservative, there are at least some, maybe one, Representative Tim Scott put out a fundraising message that I found very interesting. In part, he said, he said right after he spoke in support of President Trump, this is a Democrat, a black Democrat um, congressman, he said right after he spoke at the GOP convention, you may remember him, I certainly do, I mentioned him on this program. He said, did he ever get the responses? He said they were vicious. He said, I'm used to the comments and insults coming from haters on social media. But he said, my Democrat colleagues, he said, is becoming an, uh, it's all becoming a new trend with them. The far left Democrats and liberal media are doing their best to tear down black conservatives like me, one by one. He said, the only way to stop them is to stand up and show that we're far stronger than they ever believed. He said, we must show the left that our Conservative beliefs are deeper than the color of our skin. You know, conservatism is rooted in biblical teaching. Progressivism is rooted in humanism and cultural Marxism. Both beliefs transcend skin color. Even though racism and elitism have always been a part of the humanistic beliefs, humanism places man as a deity on the throne a law unto himself, with government under their leadership as the giver and the arbiter of our freedom. Conservative Christian beliefs place God in his rightful place as the author of all human rights, and the government is as the protector of those God-given rights. Progressivism fosters lawlessness. It expresses itself every night in cities across America. Christian conservative biblical beliefs support lawfulness. 1 Timothy 1.9 teaches that laws are necessary in a sinful world. 1 John 3.4 defines sin as lawlessness. Lawlessness is contrasted with righteousness in Romans and Corinthians and Hebrews. 
1 Peter 2.14 says human government exists to punish those who do wrong and condemn those who do right. What is right and wrong? It's what the Bible teaches as right and wrong. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you right here tomorrow.